Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. And this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, well, let's pray. All right. Thank Father in heaven, thank you so much for for the kind of God you are. We know that you're loving and caring. We know that you're great, full of grace and mercy, and we know that you're a God of forgiveness. We pray, Father, your blessings upon us as we strive to learn even more about you this, this evening. As we study together, Father, be with all of us in, in every situation we find ourselves in, that we might study, strive to study with an open and clear heart and a clear mind, Father. Touch us with the power of the word. And thank you so much for your son. It's in his name we we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 24 this evening. Exodus chapter 24. And if you'll note, you know, we're jumping over a few chapters. Yeah. And, and, so, and if you and if you if you've not watched this before or you just kind of tuning in, you know, we're just conversating. Yes. You know, we debate a little bit. We agree a little bit. We're just conversating, trying to help people to navigate through the text, through the Old Testament. You know, and how does it can really connect us? Does it connect? Because so many people have said, well, you know, I don't uh, I don't study the Old Testament because it really doesn't apply to us. Well, I think that's very, very, very tragically wrong. Well, and I've heard people say that they don't they don't understand what's going on in the Old Testament. Yeah. It's all very confusing. And we're trying to help it not be confusing. Yes. You know, we've got the nation of Israel in the in the in the wilderness. They've come from they have come from Egypt. And they've they've been wandering around for a little while, a couple of few months, and they're at Mount Sinai, and and now they're interacting with God, is where they're. We're in Exodus twenty four, and they're they're in, and God is is explaining to them, and they've just said, God has been talking through the mountain, and the mountains, and they said, man, we don't want to talk to him anymore. Moses, you go talk to him because we're afraid, we're terrified, we're scared to death of what's going to happen to us because uh, I think coming face to face with a with the with the God of creation can be a, a a humbling experience. Well, I mean, you know, imagine for a second they're in Egypt and and you know, they don't have in Egypt, right, during this time period, they didn't have something like the CDC, okay? Mm -hmm. They did have something like it, but it was worshiping the god uh Kefet, Kefetu or something like that and he was like this fly-headed god or whatever i don't don't i'm not being exact here so don't quote me yeah. but the whole point is they're they're worshiping this god of healing right who's supposed to provide healing and if you got sick you know you didn't listen to what the cdc said you listen you listen to this organization that had this patron god and you had to do all the things they said mm -hmm. right so God, that was their experience. The the because Israelites they'd been, experience because they had 
because they had been in Egypt for 430 right. years. Right. Their their culture, their 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 people, their culture had grown up in this, in in and around the Egyptians, and so this is what they really learned. Now, I'm not saying they didn't learn anything about Yahweh God. They certainly did, but this is what they saw practiced, and so they got used to a certain concept. Right. There is no miraculous things happening there aren't there's no fire from heaven no, there's no. no none of that well all of a sudden their god shows up to deliver them <laughs> and all that stuff is happening and all that stuff is happening not yeah. only is that stuff happening but he's making a mockery of what the egyptians thought they knew about yeah. god about yeah. the divine yeah. right and so it's so radical. It's so different from anything else that's going on. And now they're sitting at the foot of this mountain. They're seeing this darkness and the smoke and this thundering voice and this fire. And they're freaked out. They cannot accept it. And they reject it. Because they've never seen that from a god before. Well, they had been seeing it no, from no, this from, god. From the Egyptian god. They never saw anything but like that. But it was so different. They could not. I, I think to some extent they just. They would not. They could not. I don't know how you want to say it. But they could not trust this god because he's just so radically different i'm not giving i'm not giving him an excuse or saying they were right by any means but i'm pointing out they just couldn't get there well what you're pointing out is human nature yeah it's how absolutely. we are as human beings yeah you know people have a tough time you know when god showed up in the new testament as in the form of jesus they just could not wrap their what mind i'll say it's stumbling block to the jews and madness to the greeks you yeah. know it's like wait a minute wait a minute well, ooh, yeah. wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you're gonna tell me you're gonna tell me and the romans had a problem with it too you're gonna tell me that god there's only one first of all right from a roman and greek perspective there's only one and that he allowed himself to be crucified yeah. What? Yeah, no. Makes sense. No. Makes no sense. And the yeah. Jews, stumbling block. Why? Because anyone who's hung on a tree is cursed. Anyone yep. who is crucified, who is hung, who is hangs himself, whatever, is is under a curse. So how could this possibly be the Messiah? Yep. So stumbling block to the Jews, madness to the Greeks. But it's it's our God, God, Yahweh God, is just so radically different from anything mankind has, po has ever really thought. Well, the things we try to come up with. Yeah. You know, the big hope things now, people, you know, that all this stuff came from UFOs. And, you know, just, you know, you can watch TV, TV programs on a regular basis about, you know, that this must have come from his and, that, you know, and don't give God any credit at all that God can do things that you and I cannot explain. Well, and what that does, right, that whole that whole debate, you know, uh, you know, you have a bunch of scientists who don't want to believe in God absolutely, who are atheists. Absolutely. But. They're, they understand that the patterns within creation beget or lead one to believe that there was an intelligent designer. When we start talking about the way DNA works, cells, where all of these things work, it's like they're little machines. And so they try to have an answer for an intelligent designer and they claim that the aliens did it. The problem with that is it doesn't actually answer the question. It just removes it one step. Yeah. Well, who made the aliens then? Yeah. Who made them? I mean, it's you're going to have the same problem, right? You're going to have all of within them. You're going to have some form of DNA, yeah. molecular yeah. structure, all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, but talking about, you know, you brought up they don't give them any credit. That really leads me into the question for tonight: How do we treat God holy? How is it that we should treat God holy? How do we do that? How should people do that? I think. Uh... From my perspective, all right, is to strive to, uh, is to strive to be, to strive not to sin. Okay. Okay. It's very difficult for me. 
Yeah, I'm sure it is for our audience. It is for you too. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like there's always something that I could get a handle on that I don't. And it and it bothers me a great deal. It doesn't. I know it doesn't bother a lot of people in the in the world, but I'm trying to make sure that God understands how I feel about Him, mm. and then I commit this sin, and it feels like I just went back 15 steps. Mm. I know who my God is, mm -hmm. but it may be a very egregious sin to me. Maybe may a very egregious sin from my perspective. Maybe it isn't so much from God's, but I think for me striving to not be perfect because that's not going to happen but striving to eradicate the things out of my life <coughs> that that are that are contrary to what god wants me to do mm. i think that's part of it i think uh adding to my life the things that god does want me to do uh making sure that that the family of god is my family here and here yeah <coughs> make sure that that uh, that i'm focused on uh on uh Having my heart right, yeah, where I will see things from God's perspective or try to, and not see them from my own. I think that's sure. setting God up and treating Him as holy. I think that's what many times they didn't do here. I think they didn't. They didn't always do that, uh, and it and it cost them many times. So, mm. well, I think that's for me. That's what I do. That that's what I think it, it we should be doing. And how do we how do we know? <laughs> How do we know the things that we ought to cut from our lives? And how do we know the things that we ought to add to our lives? Oh, you know, when we're doing things wrong, we know what they are. We know what they are. You holler and scream at your wife. You know, I don't care what she's done. You holler and scream at your wife. It's not right. You know, you know good and well it's not right. You don't have to anybody tell you. You know, you go like this to your kids and, and not do it out of punishment, but do it out of anger and rage. You know, you know that's wrong. You know, I don't need to tell you it's wrong. You know that's wrong. You know, to take something that belongs to you. You know, I mean, if you've been trained by God, you know that's wrong. You know, the, some of the things that are not so clear is that we've got to that we've got to study and make sure that we understand is what does God tell us to do? What does He not tell us to do? Are there things that God has specifically said? Don't do this. Well, we need to know what those are. And, and so we need to read, we need to study, we need to, we need to let God train us and teach us hmm. just like you do, just like we're doing with our young kids in our, in our small, young children's small group, mm -hmm. you know, you're teaching them Bible verses and they know a great many Bible verses already that they can quote, you know, they just took them to a, a Bible bowl and they, and they did ma magnificently, you know, did very well, yeah. you see, and so we're training them and teaching them. Well, I think that's it, it, and it prepares them for down the road when they're going to have to teach themselves, when they're going to have to do it for themselves. Where, where, and I, I think I, I think what we're doing here is is teaching them to fall in love with the Word. You know, it says, and I think Second Thessalonians, and they and they they lost because they had no love for the truth, and that so mm. they're about to be saved. There was no love for the truth. Uh, I think God will tell us what it is those things that He that that will make that we will do things that make Him raise him to holy place. I think, uh, you know, adding things to worship, taking things away, you know, uh, worship is not about entertainment. It's not about being entertained. It's about honoring and, and praising and uplifting God and the other family members. That's what it's about. And I think that's what we should be about doing. And so some of it, you're going to know, you're going to have an, an intuition. I know what it means to not do this. Mm -hmm. I know this is wrong. You know, if I see, if I see, 
if you're at if you know George and I clean up here and I and I go into your office and clean your office and there's fifty dollar bill laying on the board, it does not belong to me. Right, right. I take that fifty dollar bill. You don't have to tell me it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to tell me. You know, I know it's wrong already. You know, I know that taking something that doesn't belong to me is wrong. Sure. We live in a country that 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 you know. I saw just a while ago, I was, you know, of course, we're recording this in the morning and I drive through a school zone. And I know because I've been caught time or two and uh, uh, the last time I was caught was through that very school zone and they gave me a warning. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at my rearview mirror and I'm driving towards church building and I, and I see this cop right on this guy's bumper and he's got his lights on. He got it. Well, if, it's, if there's flashing yellow lights and a sign everywhere that says 20 miles an hour at this time of day and you go 30, you know you're not supposed to do that. You know that. It, there's enough information to tell you you're not supposed to. Well, there's enough information here to tell me what to do too. Yeah. All I got to do is go read it and see what God says. And I think that really what is that, that's really what it comes back to, right? Because we, we live in a culture now where people are being taught things that are anthema to Scripture yes. and God. Yes. They are being raised to be taught that it's okay to steal. It's okay to steal from this group of people, yeah. right? And depending on who that group of people is and what the history is, it's okay to treat them a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to it is, is what you're saying is we need to get into the book. Absolutely. If we're not in the book, it's easy for the world to come along and say, oh, no, it's really like this. And if we don't have the book to filter that through, then we might end up believing the world. But and you, we might be we might profane the very thing that we're trying to make holy. Trying but to keep you know that, that treat many people in the world today do not value this book as what it claims to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so it is odd for some of our kids. They're going to go to school and it's going to be odd to their friends and, and, and post-students that they know scripture. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. But I know that some of our kids have quoted some of these scriptures at school. Okay, I know that that's happened because I've been told that that's happened. Mm. They quoted scriptures when the time was appropriate. They've quoted scriptures, you know, well, you know, it says this and, you know, and they quote a scripture and they know it. And say, oh, you know, and that's sadly, there's a lot of people that don't know. Well, and that's why we're that's and that's why that's we're why we're, this, doing, why we're doing, doing all this. that intro to tell yeah, you why we're doing what we're doing. That's, that's yeah. why we're getting into it. Right. Yeah. So okay. the, a lot of the goal is to treat God as holy. And Absolutely. what we're going to see here uh, in Exodus 24, they accept the covenant. And so remember what we said earlier in the last class, we talked about this and we said, look, you know, there's some chapters here that get into the legalese of the covenant and speak to what God is going to do. And then chapter 24, they accept covenant and then we're going to get back into some legalese, right? Mm -hmm. So Moses walked into the cloud. God said these things. And then now at Moses and Abihu, uh, excuse me, Nadab. Moses, Aaron. Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel are all going to go up and have 74 this. 74 guys. Yeah, they're going to have this guys. covenant meal, mm -hmm. um, covenant meal with Israel or with God rather, and they're going to, the people are going to accept this covenant. And then Moses is going to walk up on top of the mountain with Joshua. And there's going to be a break where mm -hmm. we're going to get into some legalese. God is going to say, this is what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's going to lay out some of the, some more of the covenant. And then we're going to see what the people do. So we're going to see if the people treat God as holy. So in chapter 24, four, verse one, as I've said, right, the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel, you are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord and the others must not come near and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws. So 
what is he telling them at this point? He's telling them the Ten Commandments that were received mm -hmm. and all of the texts that went along with that yep. when Moses walked into the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. The people said, we can't deal with this God. You, Moses, you go deal with him. So Moses comes back and he tells the people all the Lord's words and laws. They responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. So this isn't understand that what happened before isn't a complete rejection, mm -hmm. but it is a rejection of accepting God on his term. They can't mm -hmm. deal with him. They need that intermediary. And, right? and in the next verse, he says, Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. And that's really important because there are a lot of teachers today. There are a lot of, of, of guys with a lot of letters after their names that claim that the law was initially passed down orally right? Nothing was written down and it was only later that things are written down. There, There's areas in the law like this that dispute that. This is one of them. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. Not only that, but in Exodus chapter 17, the Lord tells Moses, write all this down, write this story down. So for Joshua. So Joshua would remember, mm -hmm. right? And that was with the battle of the Amalekites that God had decided, we're going to wipe all these yeah. people out, right? Fast forward to, to Samuel and Saul is told, King Saul, when Saul's on the picture, is told, go wipe all these people out. Well, who is that? Yeah, it's the Amalekites that are being wiped. Mm -hmm. And why? Because they went to war against the throne of God. Yeah. If you if you want to go back and see an in-depth study of that, you can check out our uh, The Lord is My Banner class. Yeah. We talked about Yahweh Nisi, mm -hmm. uh, the, one of the names of the Lord, uh, a while back, yeah. a year ago. But anyway, so Moses wrote stuff down. So the claim... From, from a lot of people in scholarship is it was passed down orally, but that's not what we see in the text. What we see no. in the text is these claims that Moses was writing stuff down, Joshua was writing stuff down, this stuff was written down, yeah. that God was communicating things to be written down. So Moses then wrote down everything the Lord said in verse 4. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. What, what tribes were represented? Think about it. Think about what, what, uh, his name just ran away from me. Israel, what he said about Joseph, right? Mm -hmm. So think of how many actual tribes there are at this point. See, and this is, and the reason I want to get to this is this is a metaphor, right? When he talks about putting up the 12, these 12 pillars for these 12 tribes of Israel, technically right at this point, there are, I think there are 13 tribes mm -hmm. because Esau, not Esau, rather Ephraim and Manasseh are from Joseph. Are from Joseph. But Levi and Simeon are still there. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we actually have, I think, about 13 tribes total because Levi would have been represented. Simeon would have been represented. Did they have one pillar for Ephraim and Manasseh? Because that's the only way you get to 12. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. What I'm trying to point out is the 12 pillars represent something. They represent all of Israel. Yeah, right. Yeah. But even at this point, because Israel's actions where he elevated, right, Ephraim and Manasseh in the place of Joseph, he gave Joseph it, but, equal portion. The only one that has is a tribe is Joseph. So and this is and this is what I'm getting into, because this is going to matter in Revelation. Yeah. In Revelation, John is going to talk about one of the one of the prophecies is you had uh, was it twelve or fourteen thousand from the tribe of Joseph. The tribe of Joseph doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You have from ancient times, even when they divide up the land in Joshua, what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up land for Ephraim, land for Manasseh. Mm -hmm. They're separate tribes. Mm -hmm. God will even say later, Ephraim, Ephraim, I love you, my dear son, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
the these are separate tribes. What we need to understand and, and, is and what's the point? The point of all this is twelve is a metaphor. Okay. It's a it's a metaphorical number meant to show unity and completeness. For example, when Christ showed up on the scene, how many apostles did he call? He called twelve. He called twelve. What are they supposed to represent? It, the, the totality yeah. of Israel. Okay, I, I get it. And, and so this this whole thing it starts here, but it represents the totality of Israel. So when we're reading about it in Revelation, this is about Israel. This is it's about, about being Israel. The whole camp. Yeah. The whole okay. camp. All right. Okay. Because when they divide up the land, think about it. Levi is scattered throughout Israel. Okay. Levi doesn't get any land, right? Simeon eventually gets absorbed within Judah. So there are 12 tribes that end up owning land mm -hmm. within Israel. Levi and Simeon kind of get dispersed. Yeah. So that's okay. that's kind of the idea. Okay. So he set up the 12 stone pillars, and I love the NIV in this, representing <laughs> the, the 12, 12 tribes. tribes. The complete and total Israel, think mm -hmm. Paul in Romans, mm -hmm. all of Israel will be saved, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. How important is blood to the covenant? Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, when we get into the book of Leviticus and we start talking about some of the sacrifices and stuff, we'll get more into the book of Hebrews and, you know, we'll see a whole lot more. I mean, I mean, blood is what God used. I mean, and back in, in Genesis chapter three, I mean, what happened? How did, how did God mm -hmm. cover the sin? Yeah. Something died. First evidence of something dying, something died to to cover them. Isn't it the Hebrew author that points that out? Mm -hmm. The Hebrew author points out that there is no forgiveness without 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 death. without sacrifice. There's no forgiveness. So, somebody's got to pay. Something's got somebody's got to pay for sin. You know, in the Old Testament, pointing towards and looking towards Jesus, it was animals. Yeah. But Hebrews chapter ten says the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. God's plan was to take to to remove sin, not just cover it over. Right. This just covers it over. This makes this, according to God, makes everything holy because you put blood on it. Well, and to a certain extent, and we'll see that in Leviticus 16. And we'll look at how the high priest mm -hmm. enters into the most holy of holies. Remember, he's got to have that yeah. censer, and he's mm -hmm. got to hide before God. So it makes things holy only to a certain extent, right? It's it's not, for example, now we enter into the presence of God all the time. But but this this is God's dictate. Right. Oh, yeah, so it yeah, makes yeah. them holy. Yeah. According to God, here we yeah, can't do yeah. this and be made yeah. holy. Right. Because there yes. is a new covenant. I see, I see what you're saying. Yes. You yes. see, Absolutely. under this covenant, yes. this is what they do. Right. This is what God has charged them with. Yes. Set up a set up an altar. Sacrifice animals. Put the blood on the door on the on the people. You know, just like He did in, in Exodus chapter 12 when He said, "Put the door blood on the door and the lintel, and I'll pass over the house." That's okay. Right. Well, Jesus' blood's on the church. He's going to pass over the church. He's going to pass over That's the true, people yeah. that make up the church, not a building. Okay. Not like it was in, in Exodus, but, you know, he's going to pass over the people. Well, the Hebrew writer will say, you know, there is no establishment of covenant covenant without blood. No. Right. Hence, no. Jesus takes the cup. He offers the cup and says, this is the blood of the new and, covenant. And you, right? and you don't have to understand it all, guys. Mm. All you have to understand is that this is what God said to do. And so that's what they were that's doing. Yeah. And what And what it points to. It points to a man hanging on a cross, shedding his blood, taking his own blood into the whole, most holy place where God was to make atonement and make forgiveness of sin possible. That's what Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is about. I think what we, what, one of the biggest things that we need to take away from this is that man has messed up. 
God created us perfect. Mm -hmm. We mess it up. Now, it's not just us. There's more things that are involved in that. And you can go back and watch our Genesis 3 class yeah. when we talked about all Genesis 3 and 6 yeah. and all that stuff. We talked about it. But God has done everything necessary to bring us back into the fold. Absolutely. He was 100% justified. I mean, I mean, just look around at the world today. He's 100% justified just wiping us off, Starting wiping over. us out of the universe. Starting right? over. Instead, he puts himself in a position to constantly bring us back and is even willing to give himself up to bring us back. That's how much you are loved. That's that right. the creator who created everything around you, everything you see, all of these people, he loves you, specifically you, enough to give himself up. That's right. And it's pretty cool. It's yep. very cool. So in verse 7, then he took the book of the covenant. He took the what? The book of the covenant. Well, I thought he they didn't don't... write anything down. Well, that, that, that... <laughs> so there you go, take? man. All right. So then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. So Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the, pe sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hands against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. What, what do you think that was like? Man, we were talking before we started about, you know, I've been to the Caribbean and I've seen blue water. And if you've gone to the, to the, to the Gulf and you've seen the Gulf of Mexico, it's dirty. Yeah, yeah. It's dirty looking compared to what, you know, if you've ever been to the Caribbean, I mean, it's, you know, the Bahamas or, or Cozumel or Cancun, that, that water is, I mean, it is so blue, it'll make your eyes hurt. That's, this is a sapphire is what this is. And it, and sapphire is blue. And I can only imagine that this, this, this highway was so blue that it made your eyes hurt. You know, I mean, think about it. You know, the, the best that I've ever seen is, is that, you know, you, you're, I was at, in the Bahamas and, and I'm on a boat and I'm looking down and the guy said, how deep do you think that water is? And I said, no, five or six feet, 10 foot. He said, it's 80 foot, 70, 80 foot deep. You could see fish and rocks and so you could make them out. And that water is so clear and so blue. It, it, if you've never seen it, you can't even begin to imagine it. You can't imagine. You can't imagine what it looks like. You have to go see it to, to know what that looks like. And, and it, uh, yeah, you don't even, I don't even know when the transition happened from the Gulf to the, to the Caribbean, but it just does. Right. It just does. And all of a sudden you're in blue water. And, it, and you know, if you're, if you on a balcony and you look out and the cruise ship is going and you can see the, the, the wake going by and it, and the, and the wake looks blue. Right. It's amazing. And I, so I'm looking at these guys, these guys, can you imagine how they must have felt? And, you know, and we talked about this a while ago about Nadab and Abihu. They're going to offer strange fire in a, in a, in a while later and they're going to die because of it. You know, how, how impressed were they with what they saw that maybe they wanted to worship no matter what the cost and they did it wrong because God had already mapped out what he, what they were supposed to do. And they just decided, you know, I'm so, I'm so people do that today. There are churches out there today that all they're about is about, about entertaining and you can entertain someone to a point where you get them so riled up and so thinking they're so focused on God. And it could, could maybe it's not, couldn't be even, even close to what God says to do. But they think they're right. 
and they go home feeling justified when God says that's not justification at all. Well, you know, and, and that's that's an excellent point, right? So Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, these 70 elders of Israel, all these guys are about to fail spectacularly. Oh, absolutely. And Nadab and Abihu will, of course, fail again. You're talking about Leviticus 9. 10. Um, yeah. 10, 10. 10, rather. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Leviticus 10. They're going to die. Where they're burned up. Aaron and the 70 elders of Israel will very shortly here preside over the forming of an idol. Yeah. Of, of the golden calf, claiming that this golden calf... And they've just seen God. God. And they've just seen God. Now, and so I think there's a lot that's 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 going into this. But to your point, what you're talking about, we can get so riled up, we can get so, so focused in, in the emotional aspect of it that we don't treat God as holy. What I'm thinking about is all the false teachers running around right now telling, telling, uh, telling people that are living in the world, practicing homosexuality, practicing other sexual immorality like adultery or fornication... Mm -hmm practicing transgenderism telling all of these people that god's okay with it god's okay with it he 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 loves you anyway and you're perfectly okay to do all that and uh i've heard i heard one person pray to the god of pronouns she got up this woman she got up and prayed to the god of pronouns and misgendered god which in in this debate in this transgenderism lgbtq debate misgendering someone is is, is violent apparently that's what they say not what i say but that's what they say god identifies himself over and over and over again as the father as a man jesus is his son what are you talking about mm -hmm. you know you see what i'm saying like yeah. this is he 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 bring, he says that not well, it's, it's changing god and making him into what we want him to be into and, our own image and that i think you know the question we talked about earlier how do we how important is it to treat god holy we can't treat him holy if we're taking who God is and making him into something that we want. Yeah. That's, when that happened in the, in the, in the book. It's about to happen. In, we're about happened, to talk about it. <laughs> when it happened, people died. That's right. People That's died exactly when it happened. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, and, and what hurts me too, talking about that, that greater movement going on right now in the country, this, this thing that we're debating about. Um, what, what really hurts me about it is what they're saying is true. God is love. But they don't know what love is. No. It's not love to look at people who are in sin. You know sin. what they need to do? Hmm. Talk to one of our kids. Because they know. Because they know yeah. they they have memorized yeah. the scripture in yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter. Love 15. love uh uh does not delight in evil, but no. rejoices with the truth. Yeah. You cannot say you love someone and tell them your behavior, what you're doing. Even though God says it's wrong, it's really okay. God's gonna love you anyway. You're right. You're right in that a, God wants the truth. You're right that God loves you, but his expression of love is being patient and not wiping you off the face of the earth, hoping you'll turn from your wickedness. That's his love. His love is putting his saints and his church in danger every day while he waits for the world to turn. Yeah. That's his love. That's how God loves us. Or he waits for you to turn. That's right. Or the next person or the next person. Because the world may never turn completely, but people do turn. Yeah. And they turn away from sinfulness and turn towards God where now they look at themselves and say, you know what I have to do to make God holy is I gotta I gotta start eradicating the sin out of my life. That's right. So all right. And this is and this is God's expression of love, this very thing that we're talking about right now. How how patient has he been with this people? 
getting to this point? How yeah. patient has he been with yeah. these people? And how patient is he going to continue to be yeah. with these people? Yeah. And so this, we really need to see this as an expression of, of love. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of Israel, the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank with him. Verse 12, the Lord said to Moses after this, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. So now God's writing stuff down. Mm -hmm. How can we claim that nothing was written down? There's so much being written down. Moses written, <laughs> God's written, writing stuff. Yeah. Joshua later is going to be writing yeah. stuff. Seems like a lot of people wrote some stuff down, yeah. doesn't it? Seems like All it. right. Maybe we shouldn't be claiming something that the book directly expressly contradicts. Yeah. Verse 13, then Moses set out with Joshua's aid, right? Uh, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. So this is Mount Sinai. He said to the elders, wait here first until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur, if you recall, Hur was the other guy with uh, with Moses and Aaron lifting up Moses' yeah, hands, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's he's probably an elder or commander of the people. One of the leaders. Um, one of the leaders. Aaron mm -hmm. and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in dispute can go to them. Uh, so there are other people. Mm -hmm. You know, There are other people around that the text doesn't mention a whole lot regularly but understand that this is a dynamic community there are people who are anxious to be serving god verse 15 when moses went up on the mountain the cloud covered it and the glory of the lord settled on mount sinai for six days the cloud covered the mountain and on the seventh day the lord called to moses from within the cloud to the israelites the glory of the lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain <sighs> the hebrew writer talks about how terrifying that was yeah then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine what it looked like from the ground level? Well, we're we're going to see what they did. We're not going, they're not, it's, we're told, the Hebrews writer tells us that it was terrifying. And I, I think the reaction of the people up until this point to, to God, as God has revealed himself, is is noteworthy. I think they're constantly terrified. Um, but I think that they're not going to be able to, I don't think, I know they're not going to be able to handle it. And they're going to, they're going to do exactly what we talked about today, which is they're going to take this holy God. And instead of treating him holy, they're going to take him and they're going to turn him into something they can manage. Yeah. They're going to turn him into something that they want. Yeah. And that's not okay. Something they could put their hands on and touch, feel and, and, and see. Yeah. They're going to make yeah. God in their own image is what they're going to do. Scary. That it can happen to that is happening to us today in well, our culture today, and I, I think especially for the people. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time, you know, uh, who don't believe in God. And one of the one of the criticisms I often hear is, "Well, why doesn't he just set up on a mountaintop somewhere? Just set up on a mountain, and say I'm God." And my response is, "Yeah, he's done that. Didn't work. It didn't work. No, because people exactly. And I, I point out, it's exactly what you're expressing today. You're going to believe and do what you want to believe and what you want to do. Yeah, even in the whether face it, whether it lines up with God or not." Even in the face of overwhelming evidence. Even in the face yeah. of overwhelming evidence. Guys, I think the point of this here is, is to be very very mindful of what are you doing to set God up as holy? Is it stuff that he approves of? Stuff that he says to do? Or is it things that you've created in your own mind to do? And not really bother to look at the book and see what God says to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we there there is some specifics that God tells us. One of them is that we need to love the truth. That's right. That we need to love his word and we need to practice his word. And if you're not reading and studying that, then you can't say that you're doing that. And that's not that's not going to be acceptable to God. So I think one thing it tells me is God's powerful. 
And yeah. God's when He shows up again, it's going to be as bad, as good, or better than, than this. It's yeah. going to be amazing, but it's not going to be amazing if you have not taken the time to be obedient to His Word and fall in love with it. That's right. Because it says it says in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and I think about verse ten, it says, "And they perish because they did not love the truth to us to be saved." Yeah, didn't have a love for the truth. So there is truth out there, but you have to go hunt it down. You have to find it, and this is this is where you find it. Hey, and the That's cool what, thing is, Jesus says. If you seek, I'll, if you I'll knock, make sure you find. Yep. Okay. I'll make sure you find. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the power of the word. Thank you, Father, so much for your for your holiness and your grandeur. We we ask, Father, that you be patient with us as we strive to learn how to honor and glorify you and how to, to set you up as holy. Father, be patient with us as we strive to eliminate those things in our lives that are contrary to what it is that you tell us to do. And and thank you, Father, for the for the. Uh, the relationship that is available to all of us through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. Thank you, Father. Help us to strive to seek that relationship in everything we do. And it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. Amen.